Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. And I was at Starbucks, but if you guys know, there's a group of people that usually sit out in front of Starbucks and they give out literature uh, according to their beliefs. And a pastor friend of mine and a former pastor friend of mine were outside and I could tell that they were hammering them. They were sitting there like this. Because they teach them not to argue. But I walk by and they go, Pastor John. I was like, okay, they're going to bring me into it. Because I don't argue the word. I'm not going to argue the word with anybody. The word can defend itself. So I'm not going to argue with nobody about it. You made your choice. But if they ask me, they've opened the door. I'm telling you, they don't knock on my door, at least when I'm not home. And every time I see them, they barely even say hi to me. I don't know what it is. But if they ask me, I'll tell them the truth. So what ended up happening was they're out there hammering them. They said, what does the Bible say about Jesus? And I was like, he's the only begotten son of the father. And through that name, Jesus, he's the way. There's no other way that a man could be saved but by the name of Jesus. I'll be right back. Got to get my coffee. (laughs) So I go in there and get my coffee. I come back out, and I see them, and they're both standing looking like soldiers. They're just. And these guys got their Bibles out and they're hitting them with scripture and slapping them with this and slapping them with that. And finally, I interrupted them. I said, listen, the only reason I'm about to say what I'm going to say is because I love you and I care for your souls. I don't know you, but I love you. You're being misled. And I ask you to do one thing. I said, based upon all this stuff you've heard and they've trained you not to listen because right now you're a little bit angry and you want to fight back, and that's natural because that's your flesh because you, you want to be true. You don't want to be caught in a lie. But I said, I'm going to tell you this. Anybody can make up anything, write it in a book, and make you believe it. Because if you know, even the Bible says, that even your Bible says that the very elect, the chosen, can be uh, misled. I said, so do this. I challenge you to get away from your elders, open up a King James Bible, get on your knees, and say, Father, God of all heaven and creation, I want to know who you are for myself. I want to know you. Meet me here at this moment. And I said, and I'll pro- I promise you, if you mean that with your heart, God will show up and show you who he is. And he, the guy just looked at me, and he goes, thank you. Have a good day. So I got in the car and drove. All right, brothers. I said, oh, the last thing I said, I said, the Bible says that people perish because of lack of knowledge. And he looked at me, and I said, but it also says that knowledge puffeth up. One of those scriptures were for them and the other scripture was for the other ones and then I departed so I'm saying that is because so many people are searching to know God without their Bible (laughs) come on guys so many people are like I'm looking for God I'm spiritual no you're not spiritual you're weird There's nothing more spiritual than the Bible itself. God said he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. 
You know what he's given us? He's given us his spirit and he's given us his son and he's given us his word and which are all the same, but he's wrapped it up in a nice book called the Bible. So I only got, I only got a few minutes and, and I don't want to keep you too long, but this is an important topic. You know how important this topic is? It could save your lives. Because I can guarantee you there's somebody sitting in here that's lost. But they think they know God. I can guarantee you. So this is going to be our third install of our series called Knowing God. Now, on a quick refresher of what we learned, we learned in the last month or so that knowing means intimacy. It doesn't mean a knowledge of, such as I could look at somebody and go, yeah, I know them. Well, you know about somebody, but you really don't know them. The Bible said in Genesis, it says that Adam knew Eve and they conceived. So we also learned that if you know somebody intimately, there's going to be a conception. When we get to know God, God's going to deposit something in us and it's going to grow. We learned that also what happens is we get purpose when we know God. We'll, we'll start discovering purpose. And we also found out that into, what we just said, intimacy causes you to be conceived. And when you have that thing on the inside, how, how many ladies in here have children? How many were in love with their children before they ever seen them? You developed a passion for what was in you. And that passion caused you to change your lifestyle. That passion caused you to eat other things that you, should be good for you. That passion caused you not to eat certain things or be around certain things. That's because that passion was love. It wasn't out of rules, but, man, I can't wait to see what's inside of me. I don't know if it's a boy. I don't know if it's a girl. But that's what happens when we know God. He'll put something in us and we fall in love with it. It creates a passion to do what we need to do to know more about this God that we served. We learned that God doesn't want your work. He wants your heart. And, and your work is a byproduct of you loving God. See, I don't do things for my wife because I know it pleases her. I do to my wife. I do things for my wife because I know that's what she loves. I love her, so therefore I do. Not I do, and then I love her. Do you guys understand that? I don't want to get too, you guys, there's some new people here, and I don't want to get too deep because you know I'm random. God wants us to be passionate about him. And we also learn that whatever we're passionate about becomes a priority. If you're passionate about God, he'll be a priority in your life. Now, today, I'm going to share with you what I shared during Bible study this past Tuesday. Now, I don't usually do this. But I feel this subject that we're going to talk about is a problem for most believers. And since most of you that are here right now don't come here on Tuesdays because of work, I'm sure, right, because of work, <laughs> I'm going to repeat the message because it's very important, very important. So the title of today's message is Knowing God's Will for Your Life. Knowing God's will for your life. We realize it's got to be important. Am I right? 
So it's, it's not about doing your will. It's about doing God's will. And how do you know if you're doing God's will? Because if you're out of God's will, I think that's the wrong place for us to be. As Christians, we should be in the will of God. Well, many followers struggle with this topic. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all have asked God, what is his will for our lives? A lot of us have asked the pastor, what is God's will for my life? We prayed about it, and we still don't get definitive answers. Now, if we are honest, how many people has, has actually said, man, what is God's will for my life? What is it he wants me to do? What should I be doing? I think all of us have done that. So today I'm going to share eight steps. Somebody say eight. You know eight means new beginnings? Today is going to be a new beginning for you guys. Eight steps to know God's will for your life. The first step is this. Number one, walk with God. You want to know the will of God for your life? You got to walk with God. For starters, if you really, really want to know this God that we serve, you must learn to walk with him. You need to develop a relationship with him. Understand that Christianity isn't about religion. It's about relationship. That's why we're, we're, we're all about relationship here at the Building Christian Fellowship. We are very, very focused on being a relational church. Why do you think we hug one another during our meet and greet? We take 10 minutes to meet and greet. Most places, that's unheard of. People say, look to your left, look to your right, shake your hand, meet and greet, sit down, and get ready. But I think it's important that we develop great relationships with one another. Why? Because God wants a relationship with his people. And he wants his people to have relationships with one another. I believe that was his prayer. He said, Lord, let them be one the same way you and I are one. So if we're one, if he wants us to be one the way that he is and the Father is one, then we need to be one with him also. The, the, you, you will cultivate a great relationship with God by spending time in his word, by spending time in prayer, and taking every opportunity you can to be involved with church in small groups and Bible studies. I didn't get too many amens on that. I don't know if you know, but we have opportunities for everybody to be in small groups right now. We're going over a series called Good or God, or God or Good. Good or God, I said it backwards. Because we say a lot of things are good, but are they God? And we'll talk about that. When you seek these disciplines in your life, God will begin the first steps in revealing his plan for you. Do you know Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall, not he might, he shall direct your path. Number two, the second thing that you, you'll need to do, you'll need to surrender your will to God's will. Listen very carefully, saints. Many times, when we say we're asking to find out God's will, we are really saying to God, God, can you bless what I'm planning to do? God, this is my will for my life. Can you bless it? We really should be saying, God, show me and lead me to do what you've already blessed. Now, you guys need to make a mental note about what I'm about to say. You will never know God's will for your life if you keep asking him to bless what you are doing. You will never find out God's will for your life if you keep asking him to bless what you're doing. 
God has already blessed something, and, he, and he's called you to it. I believe the scripture says, he says, the, the footsteps of a righteous man have been ordered by the Lord. God is not a fast food restaurant where you can have it your way. Bless me with a two-patty bacon double cheeseburger. Yes. That's not how it works. God has a will and a plan for your life that he's already preordained, and he desires that you walk in it. We cannot continue to start up things, ventures, and things in our life and go, God, please bless what I'm about to do. It may not be in the will of God. <laughs> Before God will begin to reveal his plan and his purpose for you, you must be committed to doing whatever it is he desires for you to do. God will likely be slow to show you his plan if he knows you're going to be unlikely to do it anyway. Why would God show you something if he knows you're not going to do it? But if you start doing what God tells you to do, then he'll start to reveal more. Like he told Abraham, he said, go to a place which I show you. He didn't know where to go. He just knew that God said go. So he began to walk. And as he began to obey, God began to show him what he had for him. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me explain something to you real briefly about this, this scripture that I just read. It says that you may prove that which is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When you first get saved and you start doing what the Bible says, you receive Christ in your heart, God says, that's good. Then you start listening once in a while to what God's saying. You, you, you start coming to Bible study and you start showing up and you're serving. God says, that's acceptable. But then you decide to give your whole life over to God and everything that you do, you're like, I am not moving unless God tells me to move. Then God says, that's perfect. So he knows that there's levels to this. And because he knows that there's levels, you'll never find out the perfect will of God for your life until you do that which is good first, and then you do that which is acceptable. When you surrender to Jesus is when he begins to direct our steps. Number three. This is a deep one. Obey what you already know to be God's will. Many people seem to want to know what God's plan is for their lives, but they overlook the fact that 98% of the will of God for your life has already been written down in the Bible. It's in his word. God is very clear about many, many aspects of his will. For instance, you guys ready for this? It is clearly in his plan that we abstain from sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3, it says this, For this is the will of God. Is that deep? Do you need to hear it in the Greek to understand that? Do you, do you need the Spirit of God to come hit you and, and make you shake and fall on the ground to get this? Okay, it says, This is the will of God for you. Even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication. Is that deep? It's pretty plain. Now watch this. Did you also know this? 
that people that, that, that deal with discontentment, it's a result of being ungrateful. You will never know the will of God for your life when you're an ungrateful person. The written will of God for you in your life is to be thankful. God wants you to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, in everything, somebody say everything, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. To be thankful. How many people complained before they came to church this morning? Thank, thank you. Yeah, because there's a bunch. Now, now you guys are lying too. Yeah. Not only did you complain before you came to church, you, you guys understand. Like when you get there and you're like, "Oh, I can't wear this. This doesn't look right." Man, I could never find something to wear. How come nothing's ever? You start, that's complaining. We we gotten so used to complaining that we don't realize what complaining is. Because you know what? You can be like, you know what? Nothing fits or nothing works. But thank God, I got some clothes. Praise Jesus that I got a closet to put clothes in. In everything, give thanks. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If we do not obey the things that God has shown us clearly to be his will, why would we think he would reveal any further information regarding his plan for our lives? You know, it's one big thing is people ask God, they're like, God, I want to know the will for my life. You know, I need to hear you. Show me. And God says, look, first I need you to do what's written. You, you, can't, you can't expect for God to tell you about your ministry and what you're supposed to do next if you can't do what's already written. If God says, uh, um, forgive those, and you're not forgiving them, you ain't doing his written will. If God says give, and you ain't giving, you're not doing your, his written will. If God says tithe, and you're not tithing, you're not doing his written will. But we all expect for God to come down and show us something big, but we can't do what he's already showed us. Oh. You guys understand, obedience to his written word is an important step to finding out the will of God for your life. Number four, seeking godly input. Did I say godly input? One key component in finding God's will is to seek input of godly advisors in your life. Now, if you don't currently have three or four godly advisors in your life, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Now, notice I said godly advisors. I need to make a note just real quick. Oprah's not a godly advisor. Neither is, what's it, Ayala, and y'all knew her name. Ayana, she comes on at 10 and channel on the own network. You'd be like, that's good. You take more notes watching Oprah than you do at church. Well, she's on TV, and my pastor's not. So she must be giving good advice. Wow, was that deep? Dre, was that hard? It was. See, we got to seek godly advisors. Not everybody on TV is godly, including some pastors. Huh? We need to find people. Listen, when we find godly people, we need to understand that not everybody that is going to agree with us is godly. <laughs> oh, you didn't understand that one, right? 
Do you know it does nobody any good if they all agree with you? Personally, I surround myself with, with our elders that, that know for sure that they can disagree with me real quick. They let me, uh, no, pastor, no, I don't, I don't think so. Because I actually look for people and I say, listen, what do you think about this? I need your idea. If there's, there's been times that I've, everybody's like, yes. I'm like, look, y'all better stop. Don't you be saying yes to be saying yes or to get out of this meeting early. <laughs> Honestly, that's usually me. I, I'm the one trying to get out of the meeting. Or, but they don't. They share it. Now, I, I surround myself with other pastors, not just from this church. But here's the key, key thing. Do you know that I surround myself with one in particular pastor that I don't care for? Don't like him personality-wise. But he's a godly man. You guys believe that there's people you can't get along with that still love the Lord? And why do I do that? Because I know when I come to him and tell him if I have to make a huge decision, I'll go to him and ask him. And I know I'm going to get godly advice from him because he loves the Lord. We bump heads all the time. But when it comes down to godly issues, we set it aside. And he's like, well, brother, let me pray. And this is what I think. So I'll get a good answer from him. See, some of you guys are just surrounding yourselves with people that you know are going to give you the right answer. So it's like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go over to this person and ask them what they think. But you know what? They're going to they're, they're be in agreement with you anyway. Because at the end, they're going to benefit from it too. If you choose to surround yourself with godly advisors, they will be instrumental in helping you discern. Somebody say discern. God's plan for your life. But if you surround yourself with people who are far from God, your hope of finding what uh, God's best for you will be greatly diminished. Who are the people around you? Who are the people you are going to for help and information and to dump your problems on? What do you think? Should I leave my husband? Should I leave my wife? Should I quit my job? Yes. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Ungodly people could give you some good and great advice. It's just not God advice. Do you know Proverbs chapter eleven fourteen says this? Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in a multitude of counsel, there is safety. You can't go wrong surrounding yourself with godly people. You guys have to realize that the church is designed to, be, to surround you with godly people. I would encourage you to be in church every time and every single time that the doors are open. The more you involve yourself with the community of believers, the greater your chances will be of finding godly men and women who can help you discern God's will for your life. Number five, pay attention to how God has created you. You want to find out God's will for your life? Pay attention to how God's created you. God has created you to fulfill a specific role in this world. There was no one else that can do it. Nobody else. He specifically created you, designed you for a specific purpose. And if you try to be anybody or anything else, you're robbing God and God's people of what he's created you to be. When you can't be yourself, I'm losing out. 
But you have to look and see how God's designed you. I like to put it this way. If you're five foot two, 110 pounds, God didn't design you to play professional football. It's just you weren't designed. You weren't cut out. That's just a natural way of looking at it. 1 Peter 4 and 10 says this, as each one has received a gift. It says each one. How many people in here have a gift from God? Everybody does. Some people just don't know yet. We haven't discovered it. But it says each one of you have received a gift from God. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Who are you supposed to be using your gifts for? Each one of us. Watch this. This because this is the problem that we have, saints, is we say, I'm doing this for God. You can't do for God so much outside of God's church because it's his body. That's like me going by me myself a pair of shoes and telling my wife, I got these for me. I mean for you. Oh, yeah. Ladies, you guys do that, don't you? Honey, I bought these for you. I can't wear them. If we're doing something for God and doing something, we're going to be doing it for his church, for his people. It says here that you have gotten a gift, minister it one to another. The Bible wasn't written to the world. It was written to the church. So when it talks about one another, when it talks about poor, when it talks about people in prison, they're talking about Christians. Use your gift in the house of God. If you don't know it, start working, start serving, and then all of a sudden your gift will manifest itself. God has gifted every one of us to perform a special mission for which we alone were created. That's amazing. God chose you to do a specific job in the house of the Lord. So when we seek to discover God's will for our lives, pay attention to how God has gifted you. His plan for you will always be directly related to the gifts that he has bestowed upon you. Now, personally, I'm a people person. If you guys haven't found that out already, I can start a conversation with anybody. God has given me a gift of compassion. It's a huge gift. And I didn't know about it, but I just knew I like people. I always like people. people. My daughter is the exact same way. The other thing is she likes to get in front of people. Where she got that from, I don't know. But God, that's a gift, and it, it allows me to be able to stand in front of people and feel okay to sit down and talk and preach his word. What he's given me, I'm using to minister to his people. And that's why I encourage you. You should do the same. When we get a gift from God, we use it on one another. Like there's so many people that are gifted in singing, but they're using it for themselves. That's what I don't understand. When you see somebody out there out on the road, I'm, I'm just saying this is, this, this is just my opinion. Think about it. But a person that is out ministering outside of church and they don't go to church or do anything to church, but they go, I do this in the, for the glory of God. You don't even serve in church. Amen. Number six, listen to God's spirit. I noticed a major change in my life, you guys, when I decided to shut up when I prayed. Do you guys pray? 
Let me give you an example. When I counsel people, they come and they, they come to counsel, be counseled. And when they come, they come and they talk, and I listen to them. I'll let them talk, because sometimes people need to talk. But event, the, the whole thing from coming to me for counsel is to get counsel, is to get advice. But if you keep talking, you never get any advice. So then once you're done talking, you go, man, I feel better, and you get up and you leave out. Or if I do give people advice, they're not listening to me. They're just thinking about what they're going to say next, what they want to get off their chest. You guys, you guys follow me? Do you realize we do the same thing when we're praying? When we pray, we're asking God for things. We're seeking God for advice, but we never sit down and shut up and listen. Do you guys understand that? We have to be at a point where we ask God, we pray to God, and then sit down and listen to what he's trying to tell us. How are you going to go up and ask somebody for something and then leave, get up and walk off before they help you? We have to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. We should come to God asking him this, God, what's next? What's next in my career? What's next in my ministry? What's next for my family? What's next for my marriage? What's next in my finances? God, what will you have me do in this situation? Do you notice a difference? I'm going to help some of you married couples out. Instead of praying for your spouse to get in line with God, why don't you pray and ask God what you must do to show forth the fruits of the Spirit that will lead them to come closer to Christ? And once you do that, sit down and be quiet because he'll tell you how to do it. <laughs> See, it's through experiences like this, God has shown me many times that, that when I pray like this, he will clearly start to pour things into my spirit when I sit and be quiet and listen to what he has to say that will clearly give gives me direction and clarity for the plan that he has for my life. But if I keep talking, I'll never hear what God's saying to me. This is the big thing, saints. John 10 and 27 says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We got to know God's voice when he's speaking to us and learn to be quiet. And the key thing is this, we have to follow him. Follow, follow him when he says, they follow me, they listen to me. They obey my voice. Number seven, listen to your heart. In addition to listening to the spirit of God, I also recommend that you listen to your heart. Now, I need you to understand something. Yes, the Bible says that, that a man's heart is desperately wicked. I understand all that, but I, I need to, to clarify something. Psalms 37, 4 and 5 says this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So the key thing is here is if I give my whole heart to God, he's going to change my heart to, to desire the things that he wants. For instance, I got a son that's not exactly living godly. He's just, he's out there. He's not, he's not like the chief of all sinners, but he's out there. And I desire for him to come to know God. I know God's going to give me that desire. That's a desire of my heart. But then I realized this, that the desire of my heart is the word that it says that if I should be saved then my whole house is going to be saved. That's God's desire. That's God's will. And because my heart lines up with his heart, it lines up with his word. So therefore, God's going to give me the desires of my heart. 
I just got to sit back and be patient. Fruits of the Spirit. I'll never forget the day I called. I called the man that, that uh, to, to led me to Christ. And I said, listen, man, my son, my son had just gotten some big trouble. And I was really upset. I said, listen, man, Juwan, is just, he's in a lot of trouble. And I was just hurt and I was upset. And he started laughing. He just laughed. I said, man, this ain't funny. He just kept laughing. I said, man, what are you laughing at? He goes, <laughs> now you know what you put your mama through. Well, that's not godly. That's under the blood. I... He said, what you need to do is get that same anointing that prayed you through to start praying for your son on top of you getting on your knees and praying for your son, and it'll come to pass. See, that's what God wants us to do. Align ourselves. Just give, you know, give ourselves all wholeheartedly over to God, and he'll direct our path, and he'll give us the desires of our heart. Amen? In my closing, number eight, we have to take a look at our circumstances. God often clearly demonstrates his plan for our lives by lining up circumstances in obvious ways. He also shows us uh, what his will is by not allowing us to do certain things. I just want to give you a quick example in the book of Acts chapter 16, and I'll I'll be brief. The apostle Paul traveled to uh, Phrygia in the region of Galatia, but he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach. Paul is going through a city. His main job is to preach. He had the opportunity to preach, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit forbid him to preach. So then he kept going on. He went to Mysia, and and he went down to uh, Bithynia, But the Spirit also did not allow him to preach. So here he is again, another door of opportunity, leading him to preach. But God said, don't preach. But when he arrived in Troas, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul knew that at that moment, the Lord was leading him to go preach in Macedonia. So we even see here that the apostle Paul, the chief apostle, even himself had doors closed on him. But when the door of opportunity opened, he knew it was God and he took it. Now watch this, because this is the catch. Please write this down. Just because an opportunity knocks, it doesn't mean it's God. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. Do you guys remember Eve? That's what we're learning with, with good or God. The Bible says that Eve saw the fruit and she saw that it was good to eat. Just because a door of opportunity opens that is good does not mean it's God. You know why we do that? Because we think open doors are signs. And we're always looking for confirmation. That, yes, that was confirmation for me to do this. God confirmed for me to do this. That's not how it works. That's why he gave us his spirit. See, if you notice, Paul had opportunity to preach at places, but because he was listening to the voice of God, he knew not to do it. He had a door of opportunity to preach, but God says, no, not here. Happened to him three times. No, not here. But then when God told him it was okay, he got the permission, that's when he did it. But we look for signs to do things, and this is what happens. Matthew chapter 16, verse 4 says, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. We can seek 
to open doors. We could seek open doors as signs of God, and we think it's God's will. But you know what? We need to search more for God's voice instead of signs. There was one scripture just, I just now recalled that I did share with, with, the, with the couple today that was standing out in front of um, Starbucks. I said, listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 14 says this. It says, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Do you know he comes to deceive us with signs and wonders? We have itching ears. And because it looks okay, because we don't know God, because we don't know his word, we're deceived. Everybody that comes to you talks about Jesus ain't of Jesus. But if we know God, we'll discern the truth. The next time you guys begin to ponder God's plan for your life, I would encourage you to go over these eight keys. Use all. Somebody say all. Use all of these principles to help you zero in on his plan for your life. And when you seek him, he will earnestly, I mean, if you seek him earnestly, you will find him. When you seek God, you will find the will and the plan that God has for your life. How do I know it? Because Jeremiah 20, 29, 13 says this, and ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search with your whole heart. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that seek him diligently. What is he going to reward you with? More of himself. Because the more Jesus you get, the more you know of God, the more you'll know of his plan for your life. The more you'll be able to walk out those footsteps that he's ordered for you. And when that happens, I can promise you will have life and life more abundant. About our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.